Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast. This is Joe Pace, co-founder and CEO of the Playmaker app. Today, my guest is Zena Barbarita, operations coordinator at the Backstop Softball Training Facility and coach for the Wave Softball Program out of Rhode Island. Today, our conversation really revolves around coaching players from the youngest ages in softball all the way through getting recruited to play college softball and really creating joy throughout the process and a love for the game that really creates a foundation for improving at the game and having a great experience along the way. So for coaches out there and for parents who are trying to create a holistic, long-term, sustainable, enjoyable experience for your little softball or baseball players, uh, this is an amazing conversation, and Zena shares a ton of insight from experience coaching every age group from the five-year-olds just getting started to the 18-year-olds who are about to go play competitive college ball. All right, enjoy the conversation. All right, Zena, welcome to the Playmaker Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And just to get things started, maybe if you could share just a little bit about what you do. Uh, it's a better question of what don't I do. So my name is Zena. I, uh, I run an indoor sports facility called The Backstop out of Warwick, Rhode Island. I also help coach in a travel organization called Wave Softball. I coach the 18U Showcase team. Um, we have nine teams currently ranging from 12U to 18U, uh, which after only being around for about nine years is, is pretty impressive. We're doing pretty well, thankfully. Um, and on top of all that, I also run a recreation league called EWG Girls Softball that's based out of uh, West Greenwich, Rhode Island. Just running things. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and as, as we were sort of um, prepping for this conversation, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about sort of this, um, this concept of getting started at the rec leagues. And it sounds like what your organization does and your focus is ranges across a lot of age groups, right? You're at the youngest ages and at the oldest ages before you get into sort of college ball level. And so I'd love to start the conversation with sort of what you're seeing and the dynamics you're seeing at the, at the younger age groups for, for youth softball um, mm -hmm. and just sort of how those dynamics are changing and how you think maybe parents and, and, and younger coaches can, can start navigating that and thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. So this is my with the rec league. Um, essentially, we were brought in from uh, from our travel league to help out with this. Uh, generally, they rely completely on volunteers, and it's usually moms and dads, and then their kid ages out. You know, then done with it as well. So the town reached out to us and said, you know, we want somebody that's going to be there for. A somebody that's in it and really from everything that I do you know I'm in it so mm. it's something that we're hoping you know lasts more than a we can be there for 10-15 years and really grow it over the past few years the league has dwindled down a bit uh, due to you know outside factors it's a big soccer town um, you know COVID hit so they shut down for two years because the league was so small and now some of the kids go to neighboring towns to play rec. And mm. we also didn't offer a travel program. Now the travel program that I'm part of wave softball, we're based out of West Greenwich and we use the fields, but they never wanted to kind of commingle. They wanted to keep everything separate. So us coming in, we we're really hoping that we can kind of bring up the level of play in the town that we can bring our knowledge and help those kids to rise to the travel level. 
Cool. And, and I, I'm assuming that what, what's going on in your area is going on all over the country. And as a, as a parent, you know, living in the local area and seeing these dynamics of like, how do I get my kid to get into the game and, and learn the fundamentals and start to just build a joy for the game and just be a kid and not worry so much mm -hmm. about travel ball when I'm, exactly. when I'm, you know, in the early elementary years, you know, like as a, as a, as you're seeing parents navigate this, like, what are you seeing working and what are you seeing not working? I mean, each case is different. Um, for us, we've been focusing on the 12 U and up for travel. Uh, we're hoping to maybe get a 10 U next year. So 10 U should also be associated with rec because they're still learning the game. They're still, it's their fun time. It's time for them to hang out with their friends. It's time for them to learn a new sport, a new skill set. And, you know, it, it's tough coming from a parent perspective because you want your kid to succeed. And, you know, rec ball isn't necessarily known for that. Rec ball is just fun. That's it. But I think more and more now we need to have that space where a kid can learn without the pressures of travel. Yeah, and, and you're seeing the, the kids grow up through this too, right? And obviously you're just getting started in the younger age rec ball, but like as you've seen the the players go through your programs all the way through 18U waves, like what was the, the for the more, the more successful players, the players who maybe love the game more at that age, is there like mm -hmm. maybe some sort of experience they had when they were younger? Like were they specializing when they were nine years old? Or like what were the, what, what, you know, for parents who really hope to see a future for their kids in softball, you know, what can they be thinking about from the experiences you've, you've seen? So not necessarily your kid doesn't need to be playing 8U travel softball in order to, um, you know, we've had kids that started at like 12, 13, and they're just so athletically abled that they could just pick it up and just need a little bit of guidance you know, some kids, they do need a little extra help. Um, and, you know, I think that's where rec definitely will play a, a part, especially if you get your kids started young, mm. you know. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no. And I'm just curious about this because I feel like there's a fine balance where, you know, at some point the specialization does become really helpful because you want to start playing better competition. You want to start... Mm -hmm. You know, you need to travel to find that competition, and that's the way you start to hone your skill set. Um, so, I guess maybe you know, as you think about your your programs, and as you think about the parents, you know, that you're working with, I, I, as 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 people start to um, explore this this, I guess, finding this balance for their kid, like when is it right to specialize? When is it not right to specialize? You know, what are some of the things to be looking for potentially in the in the player? And and um, yeah, when is the time right? I guess. So I can't name the statistic offhand, but um, a lot of pro athletes now or athletes in college, they play multi-sports. So one of the things that we focus on for Waves is, you know, when it's football season, you're ours. But becoming a better teammate, becoming a better athlete in general, it comes from experiencing their sports and other ideas. Hmm. So it because when I played my mom when I turned 14 was like okay if you're going to choose something you're choosing one thing and you're going to devote your time and 
time, it was great because, you know, I did hitting lessons, I did fielding lessons, I did pitching lessons, um, I played travel, and of course, the travel that I played, which was only 12, which I guess isn't only, but, you know, <laughs> is totally different from what kids are doing nowadays. I traveled, you know, kind of up and down the East Coast a little bit. The big trip we ever did was we went to Canada to play, which was so cool. We actually ended up going to Montreal for this international tournament, which, oh, my, so many great memories from. But today's kid, you know, you're gone every weekend. You're, if you're on one of those really serious travel teams and you want to play in college and, you know, this is what you've dedicated your life to, you're California one weekend, Colorado another, Florida you know, it doesn't really give them time to be a kid. It's turned almost into a business or a job. So, so like, is that necessarily true? Like, the, the theoretically, right, if all of these players are specializing early and focusing so much on maybe it, when you were 14, now that, you know, the this generation's version of you is now specializing at 12, for example. Exactly. Like, is, is, it, is it true that the level of play is better and therefore the only way you're going to be able to play in college is if you specialize earlier? Or is the level of play the same? It's just that people are specializing earlier and there's a lot more money exchanging hands <laughs> because, yeah, because these specializations are happening earlier. I think is that, you know, Parents want the best for their kid. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're going to be paying, you know, $5,000 a year if they can afford it for a kid to play on a team that goes, you know, just like I said, to California, to Colorado, on the hopes that they get a scholarship, they're going to do it. Yeah. But is but that necessarily true, right? Like, I guess, like... It's not yeah. really, like, every case. I mean, I decided to play at a college that was 45 minutes away from my house, you know, and I didn't need to go to California or Colorado to do that. Right. Not every kid is going to go D1. There are some great D3 schools that could kick some D1 butt. Right, right, right. I don't know if my D3 school could have kicked any D1 team's butt, but maybe, maybe some others, uh, but you're right. And, and I, and I think that, you know, the, that what I, I guess what I'm uh, exploring myself, like I'm, I'm ex- an expecting parent. Uh, so mm-hmm. thinking through, like, I'm obviously a ways away from these types of decisions, but like when you start thinking as a parent, you do want the best for your, 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 your child. And yeah. um, I, I, I wonder though, like, is there something being missed at the like creating joy for the game and passion mm-hmm. for the game level that you just can't, get if you're already specialized at a young age i don't know yeah maybe it's yeah i mean i think at least for for myself and for my organization and our parents and players we all have the same goals and the same ideals um we're kind of a a mid-ground where we're still extremely competitive but we can have fun at the same time it's not a chore to play it's not a job to play it's something that out there doing and loving and once you take that portion out of it, what's the point? I couldn't agree more. What do you do for, from a Waves perspective to keep that? Just the culture that we've created, you know, um, <laughs> two weeks ago, we surprised our kids who have been working so hard off season. You know, we have two practices a week, one during the week, 
one on the weekend and we're very fortunate enough to be able to do it because we do have our own facility mm. at the backstop and you know they'd been working so hard that we decided to surprise them with a pasta dinner you know just a chance for them to sit down to talk to one another and not have to worry about like working for an hour an hour and a half Mm, and it's so, like those uh, little uh, things yeah. that I think really make the lasting impression on them where they realize it's not just about sport, but it's about a community. It's about friends and it's about lifelong, you know, relationships that you're going to have past, you know, your playing days. The, my, the head coach that I work with for the showcase team, who's also my boss at the backstop, we played together since we were 16 you know, and we're still friends mm. to this day, which, you know, I don't usually like to admit that we've known each other that long, but <laughs> it, it's something that it's the beauty of coming out of sports is you do get those lifelong friendships and, you know, not every single day is about, you know, oh my God, I struck out or, oh, I hit a home run or, oh, I bobbled that ball out in center and a run scored. Like there are memories beyond that. I love that. And, and it, it reminds me of this video that keeps getting uh, shared to me in various places. I don't know if you've seen this, but this Boston College men's basketball player, is he just played his last senior game uh, at BC. He's no longer going to be playing college basketball anymore. And the announcer asked him, you know, or the uh, reporter asked him, what's his favorite mm-hmm. memory from, from playing? And he takes a long pause, steps away from the microphone, looks down, starts to get emotional. It takes him like 10 or 15 seconds to, to, you know, come back to the microphone. He just looks out and just goes, going out to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, those are the, those are the memories that are going to be longer lasting. Entirely. And, and the fun and the feeling. And I think that's like, you know, when you think back to these games, right. I played all kinds of baseball, basketball, football when I was younger and I, it's the feeling of playing. I don't really remember that many plays or that many games, honestly. It's just like the, the feeling I had playing. I just know I loved playing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know, like I remember the, the sort of like emotional side. And I think that's what you're, you're just kind of getting at. And I, it's interesting for you because you have so many different views into youth softball and the progression across your nine teams and the now even more teams, right? So mm-hmm you're seeing the different problems and, and, and from, from an on-field perspective and an off-field perspective mm-hmm. across every age group now from six to 18. And I guess like, as you see sort of like, you know, as you've seen this over the n- a number of years now, close to a decade, like wh- what is like a, I guess like a, a, the, a, a healthy path that you've seen, right. That leads to, good result at the end of the experience, right? At the 18U level, you're basically handing them off to to the next group, right? Like, what are the healthiest experiences that you've seen? And what can parents listening or coaches listening take away from kind of guiding kids over the course of that roughly 10 or 12 year period playing playing youth softball? I mean, I think the number one thing that we all have to remember is that they are kids. That, you know, have good days they're going to have bad days ultimately you're there for them as more than just an educator you're there for them you know as somebody who listens to them as someone who can be there for them you know world doesn't start and end with softball for everyone or any other sport for that matter. you know there's life beyond it and this is just 
part of their journey. So, you know, just let them enjoy it. And, um, and, you know, just enjoy being on the ride with them. I've got kids who started with me when they were 13 and now they're about to graduate from college. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's mind blowing. And we, a lot of us still keep in contact, you know, we go to games. We, I wrote a letter of recommendation for one the other day for a job, which blew my mind. (laughs) She's applying for a job down in DC. And, you know, it just, it's crazy to think of how far they've come in such a short amount of time. Totally. And that's where the, that's, yeah, sorry, go go ahead. Oh no, but, but in all reality, like they just started as kids with us. So, you know, it's just, it, it's a proud moment to see how far they've come and to see that they've grown into these great, you know, adults. And I think that I'm very lucky to have been able to help shape that. That's so cool. I love that. And, and at the end of the day, right, that's where all paths, for the most part, lead. Like there are spots, you know, there's nine spots on the Team USA starting lineup, <laughs> you know, maybe a DH. And mm-hmm. every, every, for the most part, everybody else is, you know, going to apply to jobs and they need job recommendations and they need life experience to make them successful, be able to deal with whatever they're dealing in their life or in their job. So um, love, love what you're building. And, and I think, you know, it's so cool that you can really work with kids year round, especially in the Northeast with, you know, on the field stuff. And then also in the off season and in the backstop and, and now even at the youngest age group. So uh, such a cool community, you know, that, that you've built and are continuing to build. And um, as we look to close the conversation, I guess, like any, any final thoughts or, or information you want to share with, with the audience? No, I mean, just, you know, I think, coming from a perspective of a former player who now sees things on the other side, you know, it's a wonderful ride. Enjoy every moment of it. You know, I wish I could still go out there and make plays. Thankfully I don't because I probably injure myself, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, being able to be there for the wins for the kids, the losses, and, you know, even just talking to them about how their day at school went that's so huge. So, you know, don't forget that they're kids first and that they're players second. That would be my biggest thing. I was very fortunate to have a mom who didn't have an athletic bone in her body. So anything I did was amazing. So there were never those, you know, kind of cruddy car rides home where, you know, done better. And she'd be like, no, you did better than I could have ever done. So you know what? You're good. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's So awesome. I think, I think that's the biggest thing is this is supposed to be something that they enjoy. And if they don't, then, you know, what's the point? So to be able to, to kind of work with these kids and make sure that, make sure that they still have that joy that I still get from being out there, even though I'm on the fence, like that's the best thing. I love that. I love that. No, I think, I think that's a perfect place to close in. And I, Love the conversation. Um, if for people who want to learn more about you and your organization, where where can they go? Oh, work. Um, if you go to www.backstopsoftball.com, that's the facility that I manage. Um, we offer a bunch of stuff: hitting, fielding, pitching, catching. You name it, we do it. Um, also, if you just want to come in and hit, like that's fun. We host 
clinics, camps. Um, our big thing is we're hosting our third annual uh, Backstop College Camp. We're just starting to wrap up on the coaches that are coming. What we do is we bring together a bunch of coaches from like the New England community and, and kids can move from them and they get to play in front of them and then hopefully they end up, you know, a, a long-lasting relationship with a coach and maybe play there in college. So that's been kind of cool. That was something that we we built out of COVID, actually, um, where a lot of our games had been canceled, a lot of our showcases had been canceled. So I reached out to a bunch of college coaches uh, my boss reached out to a bunch of college coaches and we were like, hey, you know, we have fields. Let's do this. It'll be a place for you to be able to see kids and recruit and work with them. And it'll be a place for them to be able to see you because most of their summer has been canceled. So this is our third year doing it. And each year it just it gets bigger and better. And I absolutely love it. So oh, cool. So that was backstopsoftball.com. Correct. And then yeah, yeah. for our travel organization, it's uh, www.wavesoftball.com. And we are basically a woman-run organization, which is also pretty cool. Um, we have, you know, women who have played or coached or have done both in college. And we all just kind of try and give back and, you know, give the kids a perspective of we've been there. We know what you're going through. So, like, you know, let's do this. Love it. Love it. Yes. And that was just to make sure people know wavessoftball.com. So the two S's Correct. in the middle. Two S's <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, no, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast for the conversation, Zena. I really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Playmaker Podcast, brought to you by the Playmaker app. At Playmaker, we believe that every play matters. So we designed Playmaker to be the most effortless scorekeeping app on the market so coaches can save, share, and celebrate all the plays their players make over the course of the season. Download the Playmaker app today on the Apple App Store and start playmaking.